Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, a quick thank you to our supporting partners, Canyon Bikes and We Are One Composites, who both have offers for you and we've also got a great prize giveaway too. Canyon have just launched a whole new range of incredible e-bikes, from full-blown long-travel gravity options and race-bred e-enduro weapons to playful trail e-bikes, and there's even a new cheeky hardtail in the lineup as well. Head over to canyon.com to check them out. I've been lucky enough to spend some time on the Strive On over the last couple of weeks, and I can officially report it is a whole lot of fun. What's even better is that if you fancy one of Canyon's awesome e-bikes, then as a downtime listener, you can get free bike guard on your e-bike order until midnight CT on the 3rd of June, 2023. All you need to do is use the code canyon-fully-charge-2023 at the checkout. That's canyon-fully-charge-2023, all in uppercase. Terms and conditions apply and can be found in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want an awesome set of wheels, then look no further than We Are One Composites. Carbon wheels designed by engineers who really understand how to create something that combines performance, accuracy and ride feel for the perfect package and built by people who really care about what they're doing so they make the most incredible products. I've been using their wheels for years with zero issues and also zero maintenance, which was unheard of until I switched over to We Are One. For the month of May, downtime listeners get a very generous 15% off any We Are One wheel, rim, or the package bar and stem by using the code DOWNTIMEMAY2023. That's DOWNTIMEMAY2023, all one word with a capital D and a capital M. You'll find that code in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. And don't forget, you need to enter it at the very final stage of the checkout process in order for it to work. That's the confirm order page at weareonecomposites.com. It's listener survey time again, and this year Magura have been kind enough to give us three sets of my favourite brakes, the awesome MT7 Pros, to give away. So to be in with a chance of winning some, all you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com for such survey and fill in this year's listener survey. It's super simple to do, and it's only going to take you a couple of minutes. It's a massive help to me, and it's great to find out more about you too. So head over to downtimepodcast.com for such survey, and we'll be choosing a winner of three sets of Magura MT7 Pro brakes at random on Thursday the 8th of June. If you find the podcast provides you some value, maybe you've learned something that's helped your riding or your fitness, maybe it's got you stoked to go riding or to come back from an injury, or maybe it's just something to pass the time when you can't be riding your bike, then it would be awesome if you're able to do a little something in return to help the podcast continue and improve by setting up a small, regular donation via my Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you to Keith Hughesman and Tim Whitlock who joined the lovely list of patrons this week. You can also represent the podcast by heading over to our shop, downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, where there's t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available. If you want a bit more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter, where I'll provide you with a bit of behind-the-scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini-reviews of products that I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. All the links for all of that stuff are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. All right, Eddie Masters is an incredible racer, character, and also a huge fan of our sport. We sat down to catch up on his 2022 season of enduro and downhill racing. We also get Eddie's thoughts on the upcoming World Cup season, the Jackson versus Jordan battle, and plenty more. So without further ado, here's Eddie Masters. 
Eddie Masters, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's it going? Um, it's a little bit earlier than uh, my usual podcasting time. <laughs> but, <laughs> Where's the um, usual slot? Not to know. <laughs> not 7 a.m. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get these things done. And when you get the red carpet rolled out for you at downtime, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you make it happen. Yeah. yeah, I hear you a bit next time I see you, so that's all good. Um, Cheers. Well, let's let's talk a bit about 2022, man. So did you come into the season fully healthy? I was trying to remember whether you had anything. You've had this like sp- spate of off-season injuries or surgeries. Were you healthy coming yeah, into 22? I, uh, yeah, 2022 was all good. Um, so it was quite nice. Um, I definitely had a bit of a bad run for a couple of years there. Um just getting injured later in the season and then spending the whole off season um, rehabbing. So yeah, 2022 was um, was a healthy start, um, and yeah, it was, it was really it was really nice. You almost forgot what it was like. Yeah, coming into the season fully fit and ready to go. Lords probably wasn't the best place to start though. Eh? Like it was a bit of a bit of a tough one with all the logistics with uplifts and not not many runs and that sort of stuff yeah and i just i like hadn't really been riding much downhill either um and so i was i was to be honest i wasn't actually like that keen to go to lords it seemed like a long it seemed (laughs) it seemed like a long way um but that fell that quickly fell on deaf ears at the uh, BK Sport head office. <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly settled settled back into my lane and got on the plane. Um, and in hindsight, I was really stoked I went because um, I didn't really have any goals. I hadn't been riding any downhill. Um, so I just was I – obviously, you're always keen, keen to qualify. Um, but it was just a good – Good kind of race to springboard off and get back into the groove of World Cup racing, um, and it was <laughs> we've got re- apart from the um, the practice issues, like the uplift issues. Um, the track was amazing. Um, we got so lucky with just like perfect conditions, and um, when the conditions are like that at Lords, it's such a good race track. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It was like, and Pivot got a new, cool new bus and stuff, and it just like um, put a bit of lead in everyone's pencil um, for the season season ahead, which was um, which was sweet. And you know, we had a, had a few new people joining the team, Jenna and mechanics and stuff. Um, that yeah, it was it was it was a cool race, and. Um, it was just another one of those classic World Cups to watch when you're there live as well. Like Amarie threw down a crazy run. The French fans going crazy. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Nice. Were you fully focused on Enduro then, really, coming into 22? Was that what, what you were going for? Um, yeah, like my focus is on paper it's Enduro, but like, I mean, I always preach that you're just a mountain biker, so racing, you know, it's um, but my de- focus definitely would be enduro because I'm that's like the series that I hope race the complete series, um, whereas you know like for this season for example like apart from the double headers like I could pro I'm 
probably going to race quite a few World Cups, probably like five or six, and hopefully World uh-huh. Champs. Um, just with the way the schedule pans out. But I just really enjoy it. Um, I think at the like at the level that we're racing downhill at now, I definitely do sacrifice some track speed by riding my enduro bike so much. Um, okay. You know, when you see the guys like everyone in the top twenty <laughs> doing <laughs> the amount of um, the amount of work behind the scenes testing and. Um, you know, trying to find those marginal gains. Um, I'm not really doing that. We're kind of just like set, forget, and turn up to the race with the bike that you're like used to riding. Um, but I think, yeah. So, you know, that's a slightly tough pill to swallow, but that's just like how it is. Like you can't, you can't be doing both. Uh, you just don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah. Do you still um, feel that adding downhill into your program like helps with your enduro racing? I think you said in the past. Oh, 100%. And the enduro racing helps with downhill massively as well because like to be able to race fast on a track second run um, means you get up to speed really quick. And in a at a World Cup where like, you know, you're probably only going to do three practice runs and two time training runs. Like, you need to get up to speed quick. So, the quicker, and I've noticed that the top guys, like, especially like Danny, Danny, like, and Bernard, Bernard, um, he's a good example. Like, they're always going really quick in time training. So, like, the quicker you can, um, the quicker that you can learn to um, get your track speed up with a minimal amount of runs. Um, the quicker you'll go by the time you get into like your seven, eight, nine, ten runs. Um, yeah, I guess that like that plays into all the setup stuff as well, right? If you're riding kind of steady for the first three, four, five runs, you're probably not riding fast enough to get the bike set up right anyway. So you need to be riding yeah. at that like race pace almost from the get go to get the bike feeling good. Yeah, exactly. Like a bike, a race bike at ninety percent. Um, feels completely different to a race bike at a hundred percent. So like you need to get up you need to get get up into those high nineties in terms of your your speed on track. Um and the quicker you can do that the more benefit you're gonna get out of it in terms of like making those little changes and stuff. Um and I hate to say it but it's definitely here like, you know, the cliche of F one and stuff, but it's def like, you know, it's everyone's leveling up and leveling up and a big side of that is uh on the tech um you know be it testing out of the races you know a lot of these teams and riders are going to the venues before you know they're all going there early um but i mean it's giving us fans some pretty exciting racing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is it is for sure yeah it's getting tighter and tighter with that night that 90 percent thing would you say that's similar on the enduro bike or is the enduro bike much more capable of being ridden at like lower speeds even if you've got race settings on it does that make sense like is it less sensitive um so? yeah yeah that does make heaps of sense and you can't like you can't tune an enduro bike for a venue because like one stage might be steep and rocky and the next one might be like flat and long. So, um, you know, you're going to get a mixed bag of terrain and elevation profiles and like length and 
even conditions in one race and basically every race. So like I just choose to set my bike up completely off feel. Like I just want a bike that I'm comfortable with and especially like a bike that I, that's like balanced. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I see people doing the telemetry stuff, but like, yes, you might find something in there, but like, I just, I can't really see how, how, when, uh-huh. um, the, you know, you might be doing it on this one track, you might be testing in finale or something, but like, then you're sitting your bike up for that one track, you know, with, yeah. with reading the graph, with reading the graph and stuff and how, you know, where you're going deep into your travel, but that's on that like one individual track. So like, if you like copy and paste that onto a different track, it might, you know, it might not be the same. So I just go, I just, and that might, like how I approach it might not be right. And the, I'm sure there's some suspension guys out there who are just going, oh, this guy's an idiot. What's he talking about? But um, in my experience, I've just, I just go off, um, you know, setting my enduro bike up off comfort. Um, whereas the downhill bike, I'm, <laughs> I'm not so like clued up with this, the ins and outs of suspension tuning and stuff. So my uh, setup generally entails me rolling it to Fox and going, can you make this feel better? It's <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Geordie's yeah, pretty like, handy with that stuff, right? Yeah, Geordie's super handy and like everyone jokes that like um, often it's one click clockwise, one click anti-clockwise. <laughs> <laughs> Give you it know. right back. Yeah, it's just a placebo because – yeah, sometimes you know, like Vowder Soul these days is just it is so tired the track, and it is so rough. And um, it was funny, like last year I was like watching Bruni go past, and you know his Bruni's bikes always just looks like a magic carpet. He's and I think yep. a lot of it is his riding style as well, being so strong through like his trunk. Um, but yeah, I was like talking to him after the race and saying how his bike looked so smooth and he was like, man, you should have ridden it. It wasn't smooth. <laughs> He's like, it was horrible. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, yeah, that track I, did look particularly brutal this year. Like it's one track out of all that I visited that I would not have any interest in riding down. Like, yeah. Just too much. It's funny. I was like, you know, looking back on it, I just approached that whole because I was because it was just so rough and it was like it wasn't that much it wasn't really that fun to like ride because you couldn't I found you know I wasn't like I couldn't give myself the speed to like start skipping the bumps so it was always just really rough um but then so I just kind of like wrote it off and then I you look at like Jackson and Jordan and stuff who were like coming into it like they're frothing because they're you know so new to it um that a lot of it's just attitude as well it's just like this is what we've got get on with it and like you know so like if you can at least enjoy it regardless of how rough it is um it's you i think it puts you in a far better position than if you're just like ah this is shit yeah it's (laughs) like a mindset thing yeah it's a full mindset thing so looking back i was like oh i kind of like stitched myself because yeah, I remember I broke my chain in the start gate 
and quite in seating. And I was like, I just remember like thinking, oh, mint. (laughs) 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 You know, that was my last downhill race for the season. And I was like, oh, like I'm, (laughs) and yeah. And then I was like a second off qualifying and I was actually stoked I didn't qualify. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. Fair comment. mm. Yeah. Yeah. How was your enduro season then looking back? You finished 10th overall, is that right? Uh, no, I finished fifth. Um, currently sitting in tenth for this year. Ah, sorry, um, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it was real good, eh? Like, um, twenty twenty two. I mean, twenty twenty one was like a bit up and down. I was like crashing and stuff, but like good speed. But it's a pretty frustrating place when you just like, you know, a few f- good stage results. And then the race is messed up by a few silly mistakes. And then the next race, you have the same thing. And then the next race, you have the same thing. And you just like, and in Jiro, like, you used to be able to, like, have a few issues and stuff. But, like, it's pretty hard. Like, if you crash now, because a crash, even a small one, like, it's going to lose you 10 seconds with, um, with the actual physical crash even if it's a small washout the loss of speed and then it like kind of just like gets you off that flow um you know messes with the mojo a little bit um but yeah so 2023 started out really well um i think i was eighth at the first race in um scotland so i was like mean back in the top 10 um <laughs> and felt like I was starting to like push on some good stages um and just put together a clean race like no issues no crashes um so I was stoked about that and then I went to um where did we go Pitson next yeah. yeah which was like it's such a sick venue for um enduro racing you know, like we had the pro stage and the final stage with both thousand meter descents, and it's like properly steep. Um, so the pro stage was fifteen minutes long, and it's like so rough and loamy. It's just got like everything you would put in a. You know that is real enduro because like uh-huh. it's the long, it's long form downhill. There's like nothing else to it. There's no. You know, there was no, like, heinous climb to make it, like, physical. It was just physical because it was so long. Yeah. Um, where, to the point where you're, like, you know, you're taking kind of, like, little risks and just giving your hands a rest for, you know, <laughs> one, two seconds there where you just, like, stretch your fingers out. And you're, like, man, this is a dangerous game, but you've, like, every little bit counts because you, you've just been holding on for dear life for, like, 15 minutes. Um so it was really cool to go back to that venue because I raced there in 20, um, 2018 um, and I was on track for a podium until the last stage and I crashed on the long one and bent my rotor and that was my day was done. Um, so it was, it was cool to go back there and get some um, redemption. I ended up winning the last stage and I got fourth on the day. So I was like, oh, man, we're definitely on an upward trajectory. Trajectory. Um, and same again, didn't have any crashes, just rode a nice clean race. Um, so yeah. And then the, and then backed it up the next weekend at Canazé with a podium. So I was like, mean, um, I had two goals. I'm not really like 
big on goal setting. Um, even though I think it's a healthy thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think, like, I'm, I think subconsciously when I set goals, it, like, I, I don't like the expectation that comes yeah, with it okay. that yeah. I put on myself. But obviously I have set some goals. So, I, yeah, I wanted to get a po- I wanted to get a podium get another podium on the EWS and I wanted to be in the top 20 at one of the World Cups um, which I did both of those in the within the, like the first five races of the season so I was like oh I should have stayed <laughs> but it was cool to like you know like tick those off because those were like some little milestones that I wanted to tick off um, but yeah and then what was the next race uh, it was a gap wasn't there and then it was over to Whistler right yeah, and Whistler's um, Whistler's always such a sick enduro. Um, you go, it's just like flat out everywhere. You're always just there's no there's no like dilly dallying around at all on a, on the racetracks. You just you're just going ham, which is um, which is really awesome. And I picked up a fifth place there, um, just behind my teammate Wax. So it was a good day for the Pivot Boys. Um, and we actually had like all our friends from Queenstown. Um, it was a mass migration to Whistler last year, so it was like nice. it felt like a home race. Everyone was set up, uh, you know, um, getting into the fizzy bubbly at the finish line at Longhorns. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a real good vibe, um, you know, and putting down a good race in front of all your mates and stuff, and everyone was following the race around on trackside and stuff it was really cool um yeah. which is something like we don't get very often um so it's always cool when you have friends and family and stuff come and watch you race um makes you appreciate it because um apart from crankworks and Rotorua, um we don't really get many home races um yeah, yeah. but that's what was cool about um derby and medina um the first two rounds this year was the Aussie crowds were just going crazy. You know, they're very passionate. Unbelievable, for- yeah. Like so many people trackside. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're very passionate fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, they they like had DJ decks that would go around to the stages and stuff. It was it was so good. good. Yeah, yeah, and so it, it should be it right. Made, yeah, exactly. Um, and at Medina. I think there was like a, a brewery had like bought their caravan up to sell beers and then I don't think they had a license and they got shut down so they just had to give all the beers away. No way. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So the the crowd was loving it. I bet. Yeah, it looked pretty lively. And the the rest of the North America leg of twenty two went well. I think you took a seventh in Burke and a fifth in Sugarloaf. Yeah. So um really consistent. Um and I love racing in America. <laughs> Why? Yeah, what's so good about it? Well, I don't know. I just like I like. Um, well, generally, where we where we race in America is always the weird and the wonderful. <laughs> you know, these small small mountain towns, and you just meet some interesting characters and stuff. And um, yeah, we love going to Walmart. Who <laughs> doesn't? Yeah, just the small things, but um, I don't know. I just really, really like and all the people. American people are like super welcoming. Um, yeah. 
they're always really interested in like why you've come to like where they where we are and stuff um and you know so like we just like we just like going to like a random pub and we just like sit up and just chat to some locals and stuff and uh you know get a feel for the place um and then we we did we always try and do some like cool outside of biking activities so like we went full redneck and went side by siding and (laughs) (laughs) even just going to the gun shops and stuff like that um yeah it's yeah weird weird and wonderful but i really really enjoy racing in america and um the two races they put on were like really there's a couple of stages that because it rained a little bit that were quite tricky but um Mm. they had a lot of the like um ski field grass bombing so like just big grass turns and i grew up like in the i mean at the i grew up watching the tail end of the norba generation um yeah and seeing all those you know like mount snow and mount hood and like um all those norbers that just looked epic um so you kind of like feel like you you're back racing those kind of races when you're just bombing at max speed no brakes and just ripping grass turns um i think you'd be hard pressed to find a mountain bike racer that doesn't like flat out grass turns um it's pretty cool yeah. yeah the footage from those turns was incredible to watch as well like see some of you guys absolutely like lit through those turns was was cool yeah reminiscent of old racing back in the day yeah yeah it's it's really sick um and uh yeah, no, it was it was good, eh? Yeah, and then the season wrapped up after Valdesol the final downhill. We had Crans Montana and Ludenvier. The results uh, compared to the rest of the season for you were like a bit lower, twelfth I think, and then twenty second. Were mm. you like, was it burnout? Like you did so much racing last year. Oh, <laughs> it's funny. Like Crans was probably the one, the best I felt all year. Okay. Um, and I felt like that was the fastest I was going all year. Um, I just had, um, I just had a few issues in the race, um, which I was really disappointed about because, like, I was, it's like, I don't know, a bit of bittersweet, like the one that got away type thing, uh-huh. um, with a small crash and then a mechanical and then um, a crash in the pro stage. So I just like. I mean, I stoked to get 12th because I, but you know, you're like, oh, what could have been? Because I felt really, really, really good on the bike and I just quite enjoyed the um, the style of stages there. Um, even though it snowed. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, it still baffles me that we end up racing bikes while it's snowing, but. <laughs> yeah, wait for um, Monsonan. I know, Monsonan in October. I was like, I was joking the other day that um, whoever scheduled Monsignan for October was probably the person that changed it to EDR. (laughs) (laughs) Fair comment. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I was like, yeah, Crans Montana, a little bit bit gutted, but obviously happy to walk away with some points and stuff. But I just felt like that was the, of of the races for the year, that was the one that got away. Yeah. and then Ludenville, um, it was just everyone has them, but I didn't feel bad on track. I just wasn't quick um, okay. by of where I wanted to be. Um, yeah, so 
and it just happens you just gotta like i think as a racer you as you mature or <laughs> whatever they call it um you just you know you have those days you can't you can't be you can't expect to be on every day you know i just yeah wasn't what yeah. like but yeah i didn't feel like I, I wasn't making mistakes or anything i was just running like 20th 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 um and you're like oh okay guess i'm 20th today yeah well there's not but, there's not many people putting in as many races as you and matt are i think on the whole circuit right doing full season of both is a lot to take on yeah different it definitely is um but then like i don't know well like I, yeah <laughs> it's it's a tough one because like i don't like i i still i'm still not like in a position where i'd really like want to go home because uh-huh. like if i went home it's winter um like proper winter like where i live like everyone's skiing and stuff and i'll just be skiing every day <laughs> If I went home, I wouldn't be riding my bike at all. <laughs> um, and then not really having a base or somewhere that like, you know, so like um, if I'm away for five five or six months, um, the best way for the time to pass quickly, because like, you know, you do get like a bit homesick and stuff or like, you know, you miss your mates and whatnot. But like the week, the weeks roll the quickest when you're racing. Um, so it's almost, it's almost quite tricky to like plan to go somewhere, um, in the downtime. Um, you do like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish we didn't have two weeks off. I just, you know, it's easier to go to a race, um, and just run your routine and yeah. And then like with the whole downhill thing, I just still really enjoy racing it. Um, Yeah probably not going to like keep on the same schedule for you know definitely taper off in the next uh-huh. couple of years um but i'll do like with our team as a whole is kind of it's in a bit of a transition it's cool like you know we've got some like we've got jake Jewett and jenna um her her in the downhill side so now there's you know um it's okay for me and Matt to step back every now and then. Um, but also like we can be really useful because like that's the next thing that our team like needs is like um, is leveling up on the tech side. So like we can help with that um, if it's line spotting and stuff. Cause like line spotting is quite a tricky one. Like you've got to have a lot of trust in the person that's giving you the advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the at the downhills that I won't race this year, um, definitely try and be out there helping um, with the t- helping the team and helping the other guys because um, it's something like I enjoy doing and I think there's like a big, maybe a lot of benefit that we can gain from stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Line guy, I like it. I wanted to chat about uh, your team boss and uh, colleague, Bernard. Um, he had a pretty good year in 2022. <laughs> did, did you... Did you see that coming? Did you see a much difference in Bernard coming into the year? No, but like, um, there's no, no difference. He's always always um, brimming with confidence. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest change that he made 
was um, making a conscious effort to ride a lot more downhill leading into the season. And then he saw the payoff that came with that. Um, because where where he lives in um, Surrey, it's not exactly a I mean, it might be a hotbed for <laughs> downhill talent, kind of, with like Brendan and stuff. But it's not really like... It's definitely not a place that I'd go to prepare for World Cup racing. Um, no, there's no no tracks that are enough to get you ready for a World Cup, eh? No, it's good for like harnessing your skills, and that's how those guys got so bloody talented, all of them. Um, but yeah, and then so with the evolution of Dovey and stuff, um, Bernie's been spending a lot of time there, um, and he was spending a lot of time there last last off season, um, riding a lot of downhill. Um, and I think he just put his, really put his head down in terms of like, you know, obviously he is the busiest man in mountain biking, hands down, there's no, (laughs) but I think he just put a, put a bit more riding and stuff on his plate. Um, and maybe a bit more prep. He's got a good trainer that he's been working with for a couple of years now. And I think, um, when you work with someone for a few years, like then you, you know, you start ironing out all those little things and like that. Um, I think Jarrett, his trainer, has probably figured out like what works for Bernard and um, or how, you know, like how can you get the best out of your athlete or how can you how can you make sure they're doing the work without it becoming like too arduous or, you know, like because like often, often it's with a trainer and stuff. It's like you're they're not there with you. So if they can put together a program that you know that a rider's going to like do, um, rather than just like oh okay I'll skip over those intervals today and <laughs> go dirt jumping or something you know like um, build it build it in such a way that it, that all the work gets done then you're probably going to get the biggest return I reckon and that's yeah, what must have been. I think Bernie did um, but it was really cool it's like he's been. Oh, he was, yeah, I don't know how many times he's come 16th, like, <laughs> yeah, which, uh, like, on paper, it's a good result, and it's cool that the bike industry still gets behind, like, it's not like Supercross, where, like, 16th would be, like, the worst possible result, um, you know, everyone's still like that, it was a really good run, um, but, yeah, I think it, he was hungry, and he's he seems hungrier, more even more hungry coming into this season after a really good year. Um, I think he wants for nothing more than to get that first win. Um, you know, he came painstakingly close in snowshoe. <laughs> um, yeah. That he really he really wants to tick that box. Um, it's going to be an interesting I, year. Yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, like the teams kind of growing. You got the bus this year. Like, it, there's there's definitely a bigger infrastructure there, more riders. I'm gonna say it's more professional as well. Like, does that get in the way of the fun at any point? Because like you've always been a rider that seems to thrive off having a good time. Like the performance comes hand in hand with that for you. Has it become harder as the team sort of grows and gets a bit more professional? Um, yeah, I've, a few people have asked me this before. 
And I think that the professionalism that's coming with like the team now, it it isn't it's not like everyone's taking it more seriously, <laughs> which is good. Um yeah. it's just that like we have all the systems in place. Um so like the people and the atmosphere haven't changed one bit. Um it's just there's you know, a bit more help around the pits. There's, um, you know, everyone's got their spots and the, everything looks a lot tidier. Um, you know, all the systems are working well together. Um, but the people, like, we just, we still have just as much fun on the road and, it, yeah, no, <laughs> nothing, nothing's changed since day one. Um, from the top down, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, and you definitely yeah. Uh, managed to be the noisiest team at the after World Champs in Leger with that uh, the burnouts on the motorbike <laughs> after Jenna took the win in uh, junior women's. Like you could literally the whole town you could hear that noise wherever you were. Oh, it was so good, and like you know, it's just we were all we were like that is genuine stoke um, that you know because we were all just so like so genuinely happy for Jenna um that like why wouldn't you celebrate i think yeah <laughs> what and an event with though, the, eh? yeah with the motorbike and stuff it was just crack up <laughs> they bought that <laughs> they bought that motorbike for i think they bought it for 200 euros um off marketplace and drove drove it an hour away to get it um, the week of the race and then Bernard's brother Boris who's our bus driver and chief tinkerer him and uh, <laughs> one of the Kiwi uh, motocross boys spent the whole day um, just tinkering trying to getting it getting it working again for the for the big burnouts and then um, <laughs> so it didn't they didn't blow it up um, it did all those burnouts after the race and then um, hours Literally yeah, Hamish, for hours. Yeah, Hamish McDonald, who's the um, motocross guy who went halves with Boris. He um, he took it to the hard enduro world champs the weekend after, and it just did the same thing, <laughs> just more burnouts. So uh, a GSX six hundred is a good um, piece of machinery when it comes when it comes <laughs> to um, yeah doing lots and lots of burnouts. But yeah, like Pretty you said, that was an ama- that was that was an amazing event, eh? It was, I was cool. My mum and dad, um, my mum and dad came and watched because um, I was oh, like, nice. "Oh, Leger, Leger will be a sick one." Um, yeah, they actually biked from Sweden <laughs> to Leger. Um, Impressive. Yeah, and um, yeah, they were pretty blown away, especially with once with the French one, two and three and then the having to get the police escort out of there and the, <laughs> it was awesome. Do you think we'll ever yeah. see something like that again? Do you think downhill can get bigger than that? Um I don't know, but uh I think <laughs> I think it just sets like a standard and then but like obviously the French one, two and three definitely um definitely made it a bit of a crazier like celebration um but i mean downhill's only growing i just hope that like 
they, I don't know, that it stays a little bit rugged like it is. Because <laughs> I think that's, yeah. you know, it's like... It's part of the charm, right? Yeah, it's part of the charm. Um, yeah. And then with like Supercross and Supercross like is the clean cut version of riding motorbikes and then outdoors is the rugged. So like if you can float in between the two, then I think we're in a pretty good space. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, lots of lots of change from last season to this season with, as everybody knows, I guess the ESO takeover, Discovery replacing Red Bull, etc. cetera. Um, there's been loads of chat about this and I guess we know a lot more now. There was a lot of speculation in the off season, but have you, have you been involved much with like the riders union side of things and like, what's your take on it all so far? Um, I haven't really been, I haven't really been involved at all. Um, but I'm de- definitely up to date with Bernard's very involved cause he's a stakeholder essentially as a team manager and also, um, quite a, vocal writer <laughs> yeah um and i mean like change is good it's it's just I, I think it'll just be a case of like let's see um i was I like i i you know there's that saying like bold strategy cotton <laughs> but i was like maybe i thought you know just my opinion. I thought that maybe they would have come in and like maybe have not ruffled so many feathers in the first year and mm-hmm. um and just focused on putting out a good product like broadcast wise and then you know and then you do your your subtle changes and your minor tweaks. Um but and I don't necessarily agree with the semi final. Um my theory on that is as a racer because I think like you can look at statistics and stuff and you can be like okay like you know on average there's three crashes in a finals run um but like the statistics don't necessarily show like as a rider like the risk you know like often you get away with a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. because you're like taking the risk you've you get a little bit sketchy. No one sees that, but like on the bike, you feel it um, and you get away with that. So like with the semi-final, then you're like doubling that risk and that then there's twice as much of that. Am I going to get away with it? And I think, um, yeah, maybe might see a few more crashes and injuries and stuff um, in the runs that count because – even if you're Amory Piron, you like, yes, you're protected and stuff for the, the super final or whatever they're going to call it. Um, but yeah, like you've, you make one mistake and you're on a podium pay, pace and you can quickly pop outside the top 30 and like not qualify into the final. So like, and with the points that are on offer, um, I see it as two race runs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, uh, and then, like, if your if your semi final run is the speed of your race run in twenty twenty two, then you know you might find people pushing the boundaries a bit further. And then, yeah, same thing. But like, that'll be exciting. 
<laughs> it's yeah, um, it makes for good television, but it doesn't necessarily make for healthy athletes, I guess. Yeah, but like, I mean, every everyone, you've got to ride within your limits, otherwise, like, you literally will end yourself really quickly. Um, so I don't think it'll be like a crazy upsweep and injuries and crashes and stuff but and also one thing i think or that i'm um what same thing always this is all like opinion is that like um when you watch like f1 and stuff or any sport that's got like multiple athletes racing against each other on the same track like it's never the same like, because the race will always pan out differently. Whereas, like, if I go two seconds quicker on my semi-final run, no, into my on my finals run than my semi-final run, like to the untrained eye, it looks like I've done like a carbon copy of the same run, mm-hmm. but like I've just scaled up by one percent down the whole track. So, like, yeah, yeah, it kind of will look the same, even though like you're, you're broadcasting both runs. So, like, I think you'll find, even though they're broadcasting the semi-final, only the core fans will tune in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the semi-final is, is broadcast for free, I think, which I don't know if that will yeah. bring more people to it as a result of that. But I don't really yeah. see the point in watching the semi if you're not going to watch the final. Like, it feels kind of empty. Mm. I guess you get to see some riding, but it doesn't really... That doesn't excite yeah. me, I think, to watch the semi in that way. Nah, and like, um, if you compare it to 2022, like, the they only broadcast 30 in the live stream anyway. Um, so, yeah, I just it just seems like a lot of changes, um, but maybe, like, not necessary ones. Um, but, like, don't get me wrong, change is good, and that the, this could be. I think there's a huge opportunity here with, you know, discovery and the, um, and the scope and the reach that this has, and like, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, like they've ditched Red Bull and stuff, but I'm pretty sure like Red Bull's already a partner. Um, like they haven't like they haven't been ousted from the sport, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think they would want to be. Um, so, yeah. I think have you have you heard much feedback from the test event like were people that you know there have you heard any anything good or bad from that because it seemed to be broadly well received from what I could work out yeah um no I haven't actually spoken to anyone who went um and <laughs> when I saw it was raining I was pretty stoked to not be there <laughs> <laughs> but like it's good that they it's good that they they're doing that um you know and just because obviously like with such a long break between racing it's cool for like the top teams to get together and have a bit of a dress rehearsal um you know it's good for the riders to like you know even the subtle changes like how they're using poles instead of tape now um just like little things um just to or iron out any any issues that might have arisen um but like i've got a hundred percent faith in the crew that are steering the ship like i think um they've done a great job getting enduro to where it is um and you know 
Chris Ball's got a he's he's like in a pretty tricky position because like you know he's he could he's going to be so quick to fall on his own sword um, if anything goes wrong. But like I I think that if anyone can do it, like he's got huge a wealth of knowledge and experience of like how the sport works. It's not like he's new to it. He he's done it from the ground up with like all the UCI technical delegate and he made some pretty like crucial changes brought in the junior category and stuff like that um, back in when he was in charge. So um, yeah, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be different, but um, I'm definitely on, on their side with like, you know, you can't just write, write stuff off just cause you, don't like the change you're better off jumping on board and trying to like help um yeah, for sure rather than it, being a speed bump yeah and it's going to take a little while to settle in i guess like everything will uh bed in over the next couple of seasons it probably feel a bit weird the first few races yeah but like everyone's still going to turn like <laughs> everyone's going to turn up we're all going to race like um yeah we're just going to race twice <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah and like not everyone will race twice it's just yeah 30 people um yeah yeah um but it's i mean it's shape they've definitely they've definitely picked a good year to to like start with this new format because like the racing this this like shit there's probably probably I would say there's about six or seven solid contenders for the World Cup overall. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, In both categories, pretty much. Yeah. So, like, regardless of the format and all that stuff, they're going to get really good racing. It's going to be super tight. Um, yeah. It's yeah. It's going to be – I'm quite looking forward to it. Um, yeah, like just definitely. just from a fan, just as a fan. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Jackson and Jordan moving up? Because they're already not messing around, eh? Jackson came over and <laughs> took your national champs. He's taken the Aussie yeah. national champs. Jordan won the first national here and seeded fastest at Fort William, but punctured in his race run. Like they're already showing and, the current elite field the you, way. And he was two seconds up at the road crossing at Lords. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the test event, and he was not hanging around in those conditions. <laughs> I was, if like when I saw that video of him crashing, I was like, shit. I'd like because you know the section. I'm like, fair play. Um, man, that's gonna be a battle of the ages. <laughs> um, they're both. Oh, like I don't. I don't think you could. I th- I would be seriously surprised if both of them didn't have a podium within the first three races. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you, they could easily come out and go one two in any in any order, like round one. Um, I think Lenzerheide is like, um, yeah, I don't know. That I reckon it's it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I think it all just comes down to whether they can just like manage the 
mental side of things. But if I was if I was there like mental coach or whatever, I'd be like you'd be trying to stress to them that you don't need to like add any more speed. You just need to ride at the speed you're going. <laughs> Because you're already going probably, you're already like track speed, you're already probably one of the fastest guys on the hill. So like just because you've stepped up to elite, don't like add another chunk of speed into your run. Um, because like, you know, all their preseason stuff like, because <laughs> that's when you'll start crashing and then, uh, you, then, you know, you quickly find yourself at the bottom of the hill and you're trying to climb the mountain to get back to where you started at the start of the season. Um, Who would you put money on? If you had to put money on one of them to win first, which one would you choose out of the two and why? Like, who do you think is more likely to take it? Hmm. I'll probably go Jordan because he's just, um, I think being in the shadow is a dangerous place to be for the person who's casting the shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a fair comment, yeah. Yeah. Um, And, but like, that's just, it's like flipping a coin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It could, like, that's based, that's only based off, um, you know, there'd just be that, and he'll probably have that his whole career of just this little fire and chip on his shoulder um, because Jackson's Jackson and Jordan's a bit more, you know, quiet and behind the scenes. But uh, I think when you when you see how he rides, um, he's got some dog in him. <laughs> he definitely has. And his ability to change bike, suspension, team, everything and not, not even show a hint of, you know, struggling to get up to speed is, is, uh, pretty ominous. Yeah. And like, I mean, he's, he's definitely going on to specialized gravity. Um, their bike and stuff is pretty, it's pretty amazing when you see it on track and that just comes down to the amount of work they put in behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, so he's definitely, he's definitely got a, um, a bike that is up to speed to like went on for sure, <laughs> like and t- and is, teammates to follow and or l- yeah, lead even like, like it'd be interesting to see how those two cope with having him on on the squad. Mm. It's interesting. I was listening to um a podcast with Blinky the other day on the OTB podcast, and um he was talking about when he signed to. Um, Lapierre, which was, which basically was specialized gravity. Um, yeah. And it was him, Cam Cole, and um, Loic. And um, in Loic's first season in Elite, Blinky and Loic were like, I don't know, fifth and sixth in the overall, and they would just go back and forth, be so close. But um, Blinky said, even though they were like such good friends um, as racers, it like made you like resent each other um, yeah, because. Bad in that team Blinky was the big dog um, he was the guy on the big paycheck and Loic was the guy who was coming up but then uh, the come up happened so quick that now they're just like fierce competitors 
and they maintained a really like healthy friendship. But he said like as races, um, they started to like hate each other, <laughs> hate each other. <laughs> um, and I think there's just some there's, you can draw draw huge parallels with like what might be going on in the um, specialized team with both Finn and Loic and Jordan yeah. coming in because. You know, Finn came in, um, obviously won everything in junior and stuff, but like he still had quite a, he seemed to have quite a lot of learning to do. Like he only took his first World Cup win last year. Um, but like, you know, if Jordan comes in and seriously ruffles from some feathers, um, it could be an interesting dynamic under that tent. Yeah. And th- well, three out of your six or seven are in that tent. <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like fifty yeah. percent basically of that podium are, are in one team. Which yeah, is if I had to incredible. do my if I if I had to do my picks, like in no order, you've got those three, Finn, Loic, Jordan. Yeah. Um I'll put Jackson and Laurie in there. Um yeah. I won't put Greg in for the overall given his uh, injuries but I'll definitely put him in for some fast runs yeah um, Loris yeah um, Amory and Tebow <laughs> oh yeah we're, we're about 10 Amory Tebow <laughs> and then like um, BK and Matt Walker because I'm interested to see I think that uh the new bike that Saracen have is a step up from their previous bike. Just yeah. from what, from how it looks, it's basically like a demo, and I think it's like a proven system FSR. Um. So, what? That's like ten guys, <laughs> and we haven't talked about Aaron and Dakota yet. Oh yeah, and Dakota, Dakota for sure. If Dakota can like. He was he was up at the second to last split at Lenzerheide last year. He crashed um, just after, or maybe just before that um, whale tail. Yeah, coming into the whale tail. Yeah. So, and, and he they've had, also got a new bike, which apparently is a step up as well. Yeah. Troy Luca. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? What about yeah. the, what about in the women's side? Because that there's like quite a few things in there that are unpredictable as well. Like obviously, Cami had an incredible season, but Miriam's coming into the season with another concussion injury. Marine's on mm. a comeback. We don't quite know where she's at. We don't really know where Tane's at yet, but she's back and she looks like she's going to be racing. And then we've got loads of junior women coming up as well. Like it's quite, um, it's going to be quite a tight field. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the junior girls coming through, like Isabella, um, Phoebe, uh, Jenna, Phoebe, yeah, Phoebe and Jenna. Um, I mean, I think they'll have like a little bit of figuring out, just with, um, you know, it's just that next level. This you 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 you've come out of juniors so confident because, or like so used to just like going up to the runs and getting on the podium and stuff, and then when you're not when you don't have that. Um, you know, like that confidence. I think it's like you could easily crash or, you know, like you go too hard. So it's just like finding that balance. 
um, for for those girls coming into it. And then um, yeah, Cammy. Cammy's Cammy's pretty because I know Cammy like quite well. And I see behind the scenes. She's yeah, this is pretty hard to crack. Yeah, and yeah. just the um the amount of work and prep and you know she's got that she doesn't yeah, she 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 dots every I and crosses every T and before the race. Yeah. Um and then oh oh like Gracie Hem Street. Oh yeah, yeah. Um and just blow it. Jess Blewett, I think, Jess has got, like, crazy, really good skills. Um, and then as the, you know, like, obviously she's she's already had a few podiums and stuff. Um, but I think the racing, once the, like, racecraft catches up to the skills, then she's going to be a real threat um, because she's in that new generation that can jump really well. Um which opens up, you know, all these young girls. They they they've they've learnt like you know they're part of the bike park generation and stuff. And I think that just opens up a different um, kettle of fish on track. Well, like I mean, in terms of like different lines are possible. You know, they're like they're not not so hung up on like the big jumps. They just like get it done in the first couple of runs and then move on. So like the focus can go onto the more technical parts of the track. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, which is like, I think it's, that's maybe what some of the previous generation have been like lacking a little bit. And that's I guess Va- not Valley was the first of that generation to come through, but she's had that, you know, a tough couple of seasons. Be interesting to mm. see, if she comes out swinging this year, like that, the, the, yeah. like you say, the, the skills that come from that bike park upbringing are pretty, you know, valuable at a world cup. Yeah. And just like, and like you see, you see them out on hardtails and, um, things like that. So it's like, I think as mountain bikers, they're a bit more well-rounded than just downhill races. And, mm-hmm. um, and then when it comes to on track, all those skills like come together um, and make it pretty, um, pretty good bike racer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What What are your thoughts yeah. on uh, one of your enduro colleagues, Hattie Harden, having a bit of a go at downhill? She won the first UK national here in Riola in pretty horrific conditions, and she was eleventh, I think, at Fort William, twelve and a half seconds off the win. But she's done eight runs at Fort William compared to other riders in that group that have been there kind of putting in laps on many more occasions. Like it's pretty interesting Um, to see. I think a world's entry might be uh, on the cards. Yeah, I guess guess that's, that's what she's um, aiming for. And I wouldn't be like a world's entry. She could, she's got really good skills. She's got amazing strength and fitness. Um, And Fort Williams, a tricky one. Like the first time you go there, it's quite hard to like, I always say, like, you almost need someone to show you the speed uh-huh. because, like, the track's really fast the whole way down, minus the woods, um, that you might be going, like, average speed 35 k's an hour 
um, which feel like or forty k's an hour, which like feels fast to you, but then that the actual speed you want to be doing is like forty two, which isn't like a much difference, but like you need someone to like drag you along to be like, okay, this is how fast you go, uh-huh. um, because otherwise it like take it can take quite a while to like just get up to that next level, because in your head you feel like it's really fast, um. So I wouldn't be surprised if like there was a small case of that with Hattie's like first hit out at the fort. Um, but yeah, enduro like it forces you into like quite good skills because you're riding like loads of different terrain um, and like with minimal practice. Um, mm-hmm. So you've like you've got to trust your instinct and like hit lines hit lines confidently or just like with commitment um so yeah i think i think hattie should well hopefully she definitely gets a um world's entry and i would put her as a wild card for sure because like um it's a big track that lends itself to like good um strength and fitness and she kind of ticks all the boxes. I think um, a bit more downhill bike time and maybe like a bit of, um, you know, outside of the race time on the track, um, she, she could definitely um, be in the mix in August. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, eh? Like Fort William, there's been a few people over the years that have been sort of Fort Williams, almost their speciality track, like Greg Minar and more latterly Amory Piron. But it mm. still feels like it's wide open, the amount of talent in the field. Like it only takes one small mistake there. And even Jordan, uh, sorry, Jackson last year and Jordan last year, both of their like performances on that hill were incredible, taking some insane lines that I remember walking with Nico and he saw Jordan through a line and was like, Pfft okay that's on is it <laughs> like yeah he was just blown away by it yeah and oh just like going back on the off off the back of the hattie thing um i know richie rude is trying to uh, get an yeah. entry yeah um and because he won the oceanias i don't i don't know if he's planning on racing a world cup before um world champs but he was uh-huh. like hope it, I, I think um my understanding was that he was like hoping to maybe get an entry with doing well at she's or getting lots of points and stuff um depends yeah. on what their selection criteria is even though like this the u.s has a pretty stacked team nowadays um yeah. but i'm really excited to see how it goes eh? like hopefully it means because he's got he's obviously riding his down of like now they've Yeti have finally put one together for him because I know he's been keen to get back on the big rig for a while. Um, but, I, I mean, he, surely he'll definitely race um, Snowshoe and Mont Saint-Anne because it's at the end of the se- enduro season. And, um, yeah, I reckon he'll go really well. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That would be cool to see. What about Sam Hill coming back? That's looking... Uh... Like it's definitely Jesus. happening. He's been at quite a few races. He was at Fort William this weekend. Mm. Jesus has risen. <laughs> yeah, back from the ashes. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Nah, 
I uh, like I grew up like idolizing the bloke. Um, so yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty stoked. And he just like he brings a lot of hype, eh? Re- regardless, it's like Ricky Carmichael coming back for like a few races. Um, yeah, there's a few iconic mountain bikers that have raced downhill, and he's definitely one of them. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. And do you think there's results left in him? Like, do you think we'll see something special from him when he gets going? Yeah, I, I think um, there's definitely results in him for sure. And I know he's fired up. Um, he wouldn't have gone to the BDS if he wasn't taking it seriously. Yeah. Um, it just might take a couple of, you know, it just might take a bit of getting into. Um, yeah, because it's just... It's a hard, it's a hard one to like crack, but like if anyone can, if anyone can do it, it's like, fuck, the guy is a downhill legend. It's not like you like, you don't forget how to race bikes. Um, yeah. And obviously he lost motivation in the enduro side of things. Um, but like, look what happened when he was motivated in enduro. He went back to back, won the first two seasons that he basically entered um yeah i think he's yeah so like he's pretty fired up for this for the um downhill program that they're doing so um if history repeats itself then um he did he would definitely be one to watch exciting stuff and we've got a new downhill venue at ludenvia you know it from the enduro side of things any insight on the downhill track there i think i saw some stuff maybe the specialized lot had been there recently and saying good things but do you think it'll yeah, host good, the downhill well yeah i think it'll it'll be really good it'll probably start off um it'll definitely have like a big jump section and then it's quite steep all the way down to the bottom um interesting venue because it's a tiny town and it's hosting a triple header mm. <laughs> um but Oh, they'll make an amazing track. The dirt's really good. The, um, you know, it's got good gradient. It's got all the makings. Um, it's got a god. It's got a god, yeah. Sorry, I'm just yawning. <laughs> the 7 a.m. starts <laughs> caught up with you. <laughs> yeah. um, no, nah, it's got, like, good lift, good track, good dirt. Yeah, it, I, I think it'll be sick. Um, and I, they were, they've, Definitely, like, talking to a lot of riders, taking on board of, like, what they would put into the track. So even um, Bernie and uh, Thomas Stack went and, like, walked it with the track guys um, when we were at the Enduro last year. So, yeah. No. And, like, new venue. Yeah. I'm all for it. Um, The more new venues we can add, the better. 100%. Yeah. It's got to be a good thing. Let's uh, talk a bit about your 23 season so far. Two two races in, uh, Derby Medina. How's it been so far? Eighth and a tenth, was it? Yeah. Um, Medina was awesome. It was such a, it's such a sick venue. If anyone ever gets the opportunity to go to Tasmania, make sure you go and ride Medina. It's, um, it's a proper, like, biker's bike park. Um, yeah, so we had, we had great fun. Um, and I don't know. I just felt like if, uh, like, if I'm being honest, I felt like I was like 
just wasn't quite where I wanted to be like fitness and preparation wise. And I like okay. for no real, for no real reason. I just felt like, um, I had a lot of stuff on, um, leading up to those two races. So it was just like a bit of a disrupted preparation, you know, um, with like had a couple of weddings and stuff and that just like disrupts your week. And I don't know if it actually does physically, but I think mentally, like you feel like you're not as prepared and that, and then, you know, then that self doubt starts creeping in. Um, so I was really happy. Like I, I went in with, um, I was keen, obviously just to, I was, said I would have been happy to walk out of there in the top 10 and that's what I did. So like ticked those boxes. Um, but um, yeah. And then Derby was pretty tricky cause it rained um, quite significantly and the elevation profiles of the stages aren't very like steep. Um, so it was a bit of a slog. Um, I remember we were riding up to the, to the last stage and like you know when everyone's gone quiet that they're off it <laughs> yeah I was like it's just you know we've been riding with 50k's in and it's just the whole day has been in the mud and you're like oh I remember I, I like just miscalculated the food that I took and ran out of food and I was about 20 minutes from the top and I started to bonk and I was just like, I hate mountain biking. (laughs) (laughs) Get get me off this hill. Um, But no, it was like Tasmania is such a sick place to ride and uh, the people were like, it's kind of like the weird cousin from Australia and New Zealand, (laughs) like a little bit inbred. (laughs) not not Tasmania, just like if um, Australia and New Zealand were cousins, that would be the baby. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and um, now we had a great we had a great time. We like did a bit of surfing, cruised around. We had like a rented like a five berth caravan for the for Derby because the accommodation's like a bit tricky, um, and yeah, just made a bit of a holiday out of it. It was good fun. Nice, yeah. good way to start the year. I checked in with Google AI to find out what it knew about you, and it said he is confident he can improve on his 2022 result and win the overall title. So is that oh, is nice. that a goal you've got written down? <laughs> uh, I don't know if winning the overall is ever like, which is like weird. It's it's never really um, been on my radar. It'd just be like cool to find myself in that position, type thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know if that's a healthy or an unhealthy way to approach it, but that's just like I just I would rather, you know, you get the ball rolling, and if you if like if you can win a race, and then if you can get up there, then then you then you start then you start thinking of those thoughts. But like, um, yeah, not something that I think of early in the season. Um, that's which I'm sure sensible. other people. Yeah, which I'm. I'm sure other people were like, I'm, yeah, there's definitely guys out there who are like, I want to win. And if I don't win, then that's a disappointment. Um, but I don't know. As I stand today, I'm just happy to go along for the ride because it's good fun. <laughs> nice. And we've had quite a big gap. So you spent a bit of time 
at home in New Zealand. You're off to Canada tonight, right? What are the, what are the plans over there? Um, so my girlfriend's from Canada. Um, so go and spend a couple of weeks um, cruising around with her and um, lucky enough to convince Geordie to let me go do my fox testing with him in Canada. Um, Sweet. So, you know, a bit of a riding... Yeah, definitely a riding trip um, with a little bit of um, work and um, going to go race the second round of the Canadian Enduro Nationals this weekend in Kelowna. Um, so yeah, just like hitting a few spots, go um, a few days in Whistler, a few days in Squamish. Just like in um, normally Queenstown, our bike park's open till May, but they're replacing the gondola, so... Um, now is like kind of my favourite time of year to ride down there but um, with everything kind of shutting down um, I was like oh you know go me and my girlfriend will go to Canada a bit earlier and um, yeah and I'm looking forward to breaking the flight up because I'm kind of overdoing those long hauls to Europe yeah that's fair when are you heading to Europe then are you getting just getting in for Lenzerheide or Oh, no, you've got uh, finale. No, we've yeah. got finale. So I'll probably fly to Europe around the 23rd of um, May. Um, and my brother, when he's just, him and his wife have just had a baby. So um, I'm going to go and stay with them for a week. And he lives in Salzburg at the moment. So um, planning on just riding a bunch of downhill for a week because... I haven't with um, I haven't like I haven't ridden my downhill bike since the end of February. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah, um, because we had um, enduro national champs, and then Tasmania, and then um, and then we just haven't really been able to lap um, at home because with this new gondola going in and it being school holidays, it was like you'd go there for a day and do like three runs. Um, so I was like, I'd really be keen to get some um, laps in on my downhill bike because then the next time I ride it will be at Lenzerheide. So um going to go do some Leo Gang and some Schladming with the big brother and hang out with my new nephew um, and then go to Finale. So got a few cool little stops um, coming up in the next few weeks, which is sick. Nice, should be good, man. Well, we should uh, hmm. we should start wrapping up. Before we do that, I'm going to be doing a little bit of downhill racing this year, which I'm excited oh, yeah, about. Nice. And yeah, we should definitely talk about or. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, any advice? Like, I feel like I need as much help as I can get here. <laughs> um, just enjoy it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy it when it goes well and enjoy it when it goes wrong. Because <laughs> it will go you- wrong. Yeah, because you're going to like, you can learn just as much from when it goes wrong as if you can from when it goes right, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> when it goes right, you're like, oh, okay, let's do that again. And when it goes wrong, you'll be like, oh, let's don't do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So however <laughs> it goes, there's good things to come out of it, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, I think in the early days, uh, just the key is to, is just, you're not you're not racing any you're not racing against anyone until the results get printed you know like 
it's you, the clock, and the track. Um, so like, yeah, it's, I think you ne- you never want to be like, oh, I want to beat that guy, um, because then you get disappointed if it doesn't happen or like you know yeah. like. I never think people should think they're better than someone because then, like, when that person beats them, well, they weren't better than them. Um, but then they just get all pissed off because they got beaten by Joe Bloggs or whatever, and they think they're better than Joe Bloggs. But you're like, well, actually, Joe Bloggs beat you. So, like, yeah. And know. I've been sucked into that trap in the past, the enduro races, to be fair, like wanting to beat mates and stuff like that. And it's not, yeah, it's not so, healthy. No, nah, it's not healthy. It just brings in that extra weight of expectation, and then, then you start doing you know it just completely messes with the processes that you might have like or the routine that you might have worked on yeah um yeah so the more you know in a game that's all about the top two inches you know it's about trying to eliminate any of these external things that might be coming into it um and just you know giving yourself um total focus and stuff on doing that one run rather than like thinking and that's why i always even like on on tracks there might be you might see you know you might be at a race with jordan williams and he gaps three stumps and you're like oh like jordan williams is gapping those three stumps but like there might be a line around them that's like only a fraction slower but for someone who doesn't want the like to because even in world cups you know like there might be a gnarly gap and like that's you're kind of hinging your like train of thought on that gap until you've done it in your run and and then it unlike unlocks this clarity and you can like get back into it so like sometimes it's better to like not do the gap but um nail everything else um yeah rather yeah. than rather than like using 10 percent of your like train of thought into focusing on that gap because you want to like yeah you want 100 percent of the top two, top two inches the brain um yeah and i see it on the live feed you know like often i'll see you know guys doing or and it's and it, i guess it's the risk to reward thing but um, you know they won't do an early gap in finals, and they don't lose any time. They still win the race, and you're like, "Oh, I've been doing that gap because I thought I had to." Damn, <laughs> damn it! Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm out, I'm out there to enjoy it. At the end of the day, like that's the main thing for me. I think is mm. to have fun. Um, yeah, and just having the opportunity to ride modern downhill bikes is already. An insane amount of fun, like they're incredible bits of kit. Love it. Oh, that. yeah. So, it's, and it's like, yeah, nothing quite comes, no, it's nothing's quite the same on a good down, on a good downhill bike, on a good track. And then you just like, you put down a good, because like the cool thing is, is like, if you put down a good run, and if you put down a good run that you're stoked with and come 30th, and the guy who wins the race puts down a good run and he comes first, it's like you still both have the same feeling. You've still like, yeah. that's the fastest you've been on track. That's the only like thing that you've got to compare it to. So like in your mind, you were like, you've just won your own race because like it fear it, you know the the feeling that you got was like, yeah, I ripped it. Um, 
which is pretty sick. Yeah, that's it. I like it. Right, man, we should wrap up there and I'll let you get on with your day because I know you've got a lot to do before you hop on a plane this evening. Yeah, yeah, thanks for getting up early to chat. And uh, yeah, I hope the season goes well, man. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing if AI was right. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you, I think, in Leergang and I'll sort you out a beer to say thanks for getting up early. Nice. Nice cold Stegel, please. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Nice one. Cheers, mate. Cheers, dude. All right, that's it for this episode with Eddie. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thanks to Canyon for supporting this episode. They've just launched a whole new range of awesome e-bikes, which you can check out over at canyon.com. Also, if you fancy one of Canyon's awesome e-bikes, then there's a downtime listener. You can get free bike guard on your e-bike order until midnight CT on the 3rd of June, 2023, by using the code canyon-fully-charge-2023 at the checkout. That's all in uppercase. Terms and conditions apply and can be found in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. Also, a massive thanks to Wheel One Composites. To get a very generous 15% off their wheels, rims, and a package bar and stem for the duration of May, head over to wheel1composites.com and use the code DOWNTIMEMAY2023. That's DOWNTIMEMAY2023, all one word with a capital D and a capital M. You'll find that code in the show notes for this episode. And don't forget you need to enter it at the very final stage of the checkout process in order for it to work. That's the confirm order page at wheel1composites.com. Don't forget we've also got the listener survey running where you can be a winner of one of three pairs of Magura MT7 Pro Brakes. You can fill it out over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and you've got until the 8th of June to get it done. Don't forget if you want to help support the podcast, the best way to do that is by heading over to patreon.com forward slash downtimepodcast and setting up a donation. If Patreon doesn't work for you, then have a think about other ways you can help, like telling your friends about the show, sharing the episodes on your social media, leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, or commenting on the episode in Spotify. We've also got t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 